Let's Talk Native is produced at the Eltian Studios on the Cataraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. We break all the rules for native media by peeling back the layers of assimilation and indoctrination. No prayers, no buffalo speeches, and no spirituality shows. While this podcast does not provide a path to spiritual enlightenment, we do take a tough look at history, oppression, and our survival. But the real goal here is to bring our people together by breaking down what separates us. So, welcome to Let's Talk Native with John Kane. Hey everyone, welcome to Let's Talk Native. I'm John Kane, I'm your host. And I do want to talk about something that I have talked about in the past. Um, but look, we are getting towards the end of uh, Black History Month. And and I think I would be remiss if I didn't at least address racism and the battles that, that we as Native people and, and Black people have, uh, have really been engaged in since colonization. And we still are engaged in today. So what I want to talk about is blatant racism and latent racism, not versus, but but the two issues. And and part of, I think, you, we hear a lot about being an anti-racist as opposed to just saying, well, I'm not a racist. And and part of that is associated with with, with trying to step up and and not just be silent when you are experiencing or or encountering you know something that that really somebody should speak up whether it's you know suggesting to somebody that that perhaps their the racist joke wasn't very funny or perhaps confronting it a little bit more and, you know two martin luther king quotes come to mind it says one our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter that's that's one of his quotes and and, and the more, more famous King quote associated with silence is in the end we will be remembered not by the words of our enemies enemies but the silence of our friends and you know and this course goes in line with with how much silence can be um, not just interpreted as complicity but but indeed is complicity so but let me back right up into to what I was what I'm calling the show anyway <clears throat> this blatant racism and latent racism. Now blatant racism we all know. These are white supremacists. These are the you know the the proud boys and and you know the the faith the oath keepers and and all of these guys. But then there's you know what people have re- referred to as as latent racism. It's kind of like the stuff that well, they don't really do anything that's racist, but they also don't do anything to oppose it. But it goes more than that because, look, even somebody who is not necessarily defined or or, or you could really characterize as a as as a blatant r- racist, anybody can do something that that in in many ways can promote or encourage or looked at as being complicit with racism and, and the mascot issue is an example. And, and I've talked about that a lot on the show. So, and, and, and I know that I have, but I mean, if you, if you participate in, in a practice or in a, you know, either in speech or in, in action that once you learn that, that because perhaps you were, you were just, you know, oblivious to it. Once you learn that it, it that it is offensive and that it is racist, 
you get left with a choice. Do you continue on with that same behavior, knowing how it is being perceived by by people who are essentially affected by your, your behavior or, or your talk? Or do you change it? Because if you continue and, and, and then continue to say, well, but I don't really mean anything by it. Now you've, you may have crossed that line between being you know, labeled a latent racist and a blatant racist. And, and this, is, this is some of the difficulty. Now, to be clear, I believe that all racism is, uh, is born out of ignorance. But, but even ignorance has, has different um, you know, classifications or characterizations. There is ignorance. I mean, and, and by ignorance, I mean you just don't know. You know, you're you're you have not had the information available to you or you have had your your thought processes, you know, affected only by one viewpoint. But but there's also willful ignorance and willful ignorance is when you do become aware that what you thought was true is no longer true, but you're still going to maintain a certain philosophy or a set of ideals. And. You know, and this is what we experience with, with a lot of this stuff. We we see people that that once you you explain to somebody, nah, what you're doing is is really not appropriate. They'll either dig in and defend their you know either their their opinion or their actions or their or their language, and or in in many cases they they demonstrate even more racism. I, you know, I've, I've once posted a meme. I said, look, the only thing more racist than a than a, a, a white people using a native mascot is the response when you tell them that it's inappropriate. And, and look, that's what I'm witnessing. I'm witnessing this back in my own, my old hometown where I went to high school. I, you can see people who are just losing their minds with this idea that, that what they've been doing for 50, 60 or a hundred years or whatever is, is somehow inappropriate. And part of what happens is they believe because they've been doing it for so long that it has to be okay. And, you know, and, and this is, you know, this is part of the challenge. But for those of us who are trying to educate people and are trying to pull people out of that that ignorance, we too have a responsibility. You know, and I think we have to be careful sometimes. We have to be careful that in our attempt to address or confront racism. That we don't just go bullying ahead and knocking people off a cliff. And, and I say that because, look, even as I've addressed the, the, the mascot issue, and, even, and not just the, my current battle with it, but in, in previous battles, part of it is trying to gear yourself up for the long game. Realizing that educating people and trying to change somebody's mind isn't something that you can do by just getting a school board to vote a certain way. You know, sometimes this is a, is a longer process. And it's a longer process of, of getting people to understand who we are as a people now. And, and I've said this before. Also native people experience almost a, a unique form or, or kind or, you know, or uh, type of racism, I guess, or, or, or the racism that we encounter. Let's, let's put, let me put it this way is, is different. It isn't necessarily always filled with, you know, vitriol and hate, at least not from coming out of the gate. I mean, white supremacy and this idea that, that somebody can believe that they are superior to you doesn't mean that they necessarily have to believe that they have to hate you. But I'll tell you, it doesn't take, it doesn't take much to, to get somebody who does have that feeling to hate you if, you if you challenge their superiority or their privilege. So, you know, I think sometimes we have to be 
and this isn't about trying to be sensitive to their feelings. That's not that's not what I'm suggesting. I'm not I'm not saying that we need to be nice about it. But I think if if our genuine um, goal is to educate people, you know, it's it's sometimes it's easier to educate people with you know <laughs> with uh, with conversation than with a two by four. And so I think this is some of the things that some of the things that that I want to address here and and in this in this show and at this time. We, when we see systemic racism, for instance, you, if you are part of the system, you don't necessarily have to be a blatant or overt racist because if the system is built, is, is systemically racist, then you are going to be a part of, of, of that process. And, and, and people are going to be victims of that racism, even if you don't consider yourself or even if others don't consider you to be a racist. Look, the amount of silence that exists, I mean, over, over certain issues is crazy. When you see a black man or woman who was, who was murdered by police, that didn't, that didn't evoke the same response as Colin Kaepernick taking a knee during the national anthem in preseason football games. And you, and, and trust me, all the people who are losing their minds over that, who are, who sit at home every Sunday to watch football, not a damn one of those people stand up in their living room when the national anthem comes on. So you, this is, so I I bring this this up because we we can manage our outrage, and and sometimes we manage our our outrage over the things that we think will you know uh, will have certain popular support. And, and the fact that, you know, that, that racism and anti-racism become a right-left conversation is, is an example of that. Because, again, it gets tied into the populism and the, and the popularity of, you know, of a position that is held. You know, look, look we saw the, the death of, of Rush Limbaugh this past week. And and look, there. I think one of the states they even suggested they wanted to fly their flag at half mast for a conservative radio show to, uh, host, and the popularity of his show, and the popularity of say Fox News or some of these other you know, right wing uh, uh, news broadcasts, and and I use the, the term news liberally here. Um, you know, they have been very, very popular. They have a, a successful business model. Now, even if they do have a successful business model, should we, we should we allow the, those kinds of influencers to shape what we think is popular as far as opinion goes? I mean, I, I heard a board member out in, in Cambridge, in fact, say that that students would learn how to defend unpopular ideas if they had to if they had to defend their native mascot. That one just made me shake my head or scratch my head. I should, say, I should say, I'm thinking, for one thing, I don't know what unpopular ideas this board member was talking about, but I'm also not sure that you should compel or in any way, shape, or form um, encourage kids to defend something like a like a native mascot, a race based mascot, in the hopes that they're going to learn how to defend other unpopular ideas. I mean, it, but see these. These kinds of suggestions that get made are made without thinking about the unintended consequences of, of, of such a thing. I mean, look, I think it's fine to encourage 
people to to stand up and defend just causes, even if those just causes, or perhaps especially if those just causes are unpopular. But I don't think it's just a good idea to encourage people to just arbitrarily defend unpopular ideas. So, I mean, this is, I guess this is where I wanted to have the conversation was about how do we address the the racism that we not just witness being you know you know being targeted towards the people but how do we address it as as victims of that racism you know and i know the the mascot issue may not seem like the you know the the most important or the the highest priority when you consider that there are people dying as a result of racism but the reason i put such an emphasis on the on the especially on the high school mascot issue is because these schools are cranking out kids that are being indoctrinated with this idea that stereotyping of people is okay, mocking of people is okay, appropriating a culture of a people is okay, and carrying with them out of their school, both you know, grade school, middle school, and uh, and high school experience, that they can view a people through the lens of the stereotype that they that that they had projected on them through you know from K through through twelve, so. I, I think it's important that that we that we don't contaminate the minds of children. Look, I've talked about the doll test before, where even very young children are already affected by, you know, by racist beliefs, even if it's not coming from school or from from home, but just because it's it's out in the world. And, and, and again, without belaboring the doll test, it's it's this idea that even small black children at five years old. Are being taught that the that the white baby dolls are the good ones and the black ones are the bad ones, and they are not just taught it; they they actually receive that message, and you know, and of course, this goes to you know to reinforcing the idea that that a black cop can still uh, be responsible for harboring this this notion of white supremacy because of the, of the systemic racism that is embedded in a police department and so a black cop may view a black person on the street as more of a threat than a white person part of that is you know that same idea of of this of the, of the doll test uh, that the doll test proves out but so how do we comp how do we get over this and 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 do we i mean do we do we tackle the most blatant forms of racism or do, or, or perhaps, and this, and this is part of the reason that, that I put such a strong emphasis on, on the mascot issue is because it may seem more benign, but it's pervasive. I mean, it, it has been pervasive in pro sports um, and it had been in, in college sports and it certainly has been in high school sports. And it doesn't matter if you didn't go to a school that has a native mascot, because you probably competed against one. And if you competed against a school that had a native mascot, you may have found yourself saying something very racist about slaughtering the Indians, you know, or, or something along those lines. And certainly we know that news, you know, uh, sports writers and news bro uh, sports broadcasters, you know, have, have really had a field day with always making these, these massacre, uh, you know, analogies when they're talking about native teams with native uh, native names. So, I, I don't think it's a small thing to address racism at that this level. I'm not suggesting that it's the only place that we address it, and and it's certainly you know from from my standpoint, it's not the only place that that it's addressed. I think it's important 
that we we do contextualize some of these these debates and and we address just the, the false information. Look, I'm, I'm dealing with the high school that I went to and they call themselves the Cambridge Indians. Now, the problem that I have is that it's a race based, a native race based mascot. To even have a debate over the def that definition is is bizarre, but but that's what you have to have in a town that is like ninety five percent white, and and that's what we experience as, when we go into some of these communities that are that are calling themselves Indians or warriors or Redskins or you know savages or Red Raiders or whatever the the name might be, because the point is it while the the name does have it's its own charge to it, its own triggering when you're using a racial slur. It's the practice. It's the whole idea that you've got these towns predominantly of non-native people that are that are basically appropriating and taking on themselves this identity. I mean, you don't know how many times I'm hearing folks from from the town that I went to high school in and they're they're saying, "No, we're we are Indians. We are the Cambridge Indians and I will be a Cambridge Indian for my for the rest of my life." And, and my immediate thought is, no, you're not. And, and while I have a problem with the word Indian because it coming from Columbus and it being a misnomer and it being a word that is imposed upon us, I, I recognize that that word is in the American lexicon as an identifier for Native people, but it's not being used today in the same way. I mean, yes, it's, there's still the Bureau of Indian Affairs. There's still the, the National Congress of the American Indian. There still are these, the words that are there, but there's also United Negro College Fund and nobody calls black people Negroes. There's also the NAACP and yet people aren't referring to, to black people as colored people anymore. So you know, these, these words get embedded into these, into these institutions or these organizations even as the words become archaic, the fact of the matter is there's not a form you could fill out, whether it's a census form or an application or any governmental form where when they have race listed that they have Indian as a, uh, as a race, they may have Asian American in there, which might include an Indian American, but they don't have American Indian. They all say native American, not even crazy about that label, but, but, so as, so as I'm as I'm battling some of these these mascot issues, it isn't just the name. So it isn't it isn't just whether the name is a racial slur or if it's something that some people can think is more benign, like Indian or Brave or even Tomahawk. It's the idea that white people predominantly are using Native people as their symbol to call themselves. I mean, I even get into a debate about. What is the definition of a mascot? A mascot is, is the idea of choosing an emblem or an image that is going to represent you in sports or, or a brand or something like that. Not that you represent the mascot. And, and that's how, how twisted this thing you know, is. And even having that conversation. But this is part of the education issue. And so as I try to have that, that conversation, of course, Look, I could be a polarizing figure because I have addressed this issue. And and I allegedly some people have suggested that my approach is is more like the throwing the cherry bomb or the dynamite approach rather than the diplomacy approach. So part of I guess what I'm recommending is that that even if I am throwing cherry bombs and dynamite, <laughs> that not everybody else needs to. And and perhaps I don't need to. We do need to be I don't I don't think we gotta treat the issue with kit gloves. I'm not suggesting that. 
I'm suggesting that we need to have, um, as our goal, education. You know, the, we're trying to eradicate the ignorance, not the ignorant, but the, but the ignorance. And I think to do that, we have to we have to be willing to teach. We've got to teach some some of the history. We've got to prepare to address that history. But we also have to understand that in spite of our perspective as those who are trying to tackle racism, as, as awkward as it may be, we have to understand the perspective of the people that we're, that we're trying to educate. And, and at the same time, as I, even as I'm suggesting this, I realize that there are some people we're never going to get through to. And, and, and it makes sense to, to not hang, get hung up on those people. You know, I, 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 anytime you talk about any issue, whether it's substance abuse or whether it's, you know, racism, whether it's, um, whether it's suicide, we need to pull people back from the precipice. We need to pull them back. We, don't, we sure don't need to push them over. And we need to do, do it in a way that, that is, is sensitive to, to the people who are there on that precipice who may be jumping off to, and not necessarily to a point of no return. And I'm not suggesting that, except for obviously in the case of suicide. But, but people who, are, who can get lost in ideology. I mean, and look, and we see the power of some of these ideological pulls, whether it's, you know, again, white supremacy or nationalism or populism or, or, or whatever the ism is of the day, I guess. But I, I think for those of us who are really concerned about this and want to work, and, and, and again, when we talk about being an anti-racist, it doesn't mean that we are anti, that we, that we need to pit ourselves against the racist as an enemy, but really to pull them back from that precipice and pull them back from their racist behavior and their racist language or their racist you know, behavior, whatever it is, their actions. So... So, so I guess that's really what I'm suggesting here. And, and part of this is, you know, I'm not saying it's an epiphany for me, but, but part of it is to suggest that, that we, we do need to, to look at ourselves even as we're, we're addressing these issues. You know, and I, I know as I, as I do talk to people, I know some people it, it is real easy to communicate with. And it's real easy for them to understand that, no, we're not, I'm not calling you, you know, the, Again, the, the first label, the blatant racist. But you have to understand that some of the behavior that you're, you're, you know, you know, that you're participating in is harmful to other people. And it's harmful because it is born out of this notion that you have the right to behave this way. And you have the right to victimize other people or appropriate images or identity or view people as less than you. That somehow... They don't have the right. And, and, and so whether we're talking about Native people or Black people or any, any, anybody who is in the, the marginalized or the oppressed category, once that oppression becomes acceptable by the dominant culture and, and becomes embedded in the systems, the institutions, the, you know, the, the governmental processes, it gets real, real hard to dig that out of there. I mean, look, we've seen things like affirmative action and so many other attempts that that oftentimes have some other collateral, you know, damage that gets done and, and people, you know, turn it around and say, well, now I'm a white person and I'm being persecuted against. So it is a real challenge. 
And and I'm not saying that there that there's one answer to to all of these challenges, but I think we do. We've we've got to be in this for the long game. Look, even today, as I view my old high school, the likelihood is next month the board will the school board will vote probably three to one to retire the 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 native mascot. They will be they will retire the Indians. But the but the reality is. A mere couple of months later, they're going to have a board election. And Cambridge has a small school board. And they may put two pro-mascot people on that board. And they may reverse the, the vote on, on retiring the mascot. That doesn't mean it's over. And, and my advice to, to those who are supporting me in, uh, and, and are basically whether they're supporting me or not are, are against the, the use of a native mascot out there. I say again, remember, it's a long game. And some, some things are going to happen that, are, that happen beyond our control. We have to stay at it. We have to stay at it, whether we are addressing police violence, whether you're tra- addressing you know, use of inappropriate language and native mascots and you know, uh, this idea that somebody else gets to define a people and, and then take that identity for themselves. Yeah, we have to stay at this. Even though there there are setbacks, I mean, you know, some people view the last four years of Trump as this major setback. But you know, yes, I I agree on some levels. But you know, we still needed some progress back during the Obama administration, and you know, in the Bush administration, and the Clinton administration before that, and all of that stuff. We always have a goal to achieve, and. As we knock down some of these goals, we need to set goals, you know, further down the road, and we need to keep keep at it. That's the human condition, right? That's that's what we're faced with. And while we are always going to get pushback, and that pushback may be get get very politicized, I think we we as as not just the activist community, but again, I go back to this idea that in the end we will remember. Not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. So how do we get how do we get the silent to speak up? And and I'm not saying lead a campaign. I'm just saying speak up, just not remain silent. I think that's what that, that's what we have to do. And this is this is where while we may not confront directly the blatant racist. I think those that that are that may harbor some of that 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 racism, even if they don't express it on a daily basis or may question about whether a behavior is, quote unquote, racist or not. Those are the people we need to reach out to. And our silence doesn't do that. And and so as we as we approach any issue that may be. That that demonstrates white privilege or sometimes puts in plain view white fragility because of the fear that they are losing something. I think we have to put, you know, we have to put it into context and say, yeah, you you are going to lose some things. If you've enjoyed white privilege, then you're going to lose some of that privilege. That's just the nature of, 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 of the world that we live in. And, the longer you dig in to maintain and fight for that privilege, that privilege of calling yourselves Indians or that privilege of, 
you know, of, uh, you know, of, of hiring somebody based on race or, or whatever that privilege is. As long as you dig into that and you find ways around it or, or what you think is a compromise. I mean, uh, this among the things that I've heard is, well, we don't do the tomahawk chop anymore and we don't wear headdresses to our football games anymore. Well, congratulations. So in other words, you know that there was some, that there was at some point your behavior associated with this practice of native mascots does cross a line that is racist, but you think there's a someplace on this side of that line that still is kind of racist, but that you don't, you don't have to, uh, it's a, it's a safe space. And what we're saying is, look, there's no compromise where we say there is an acceptable level of racism. The goal for all of us, especially those of us who are activists, is to eradicate racism. And and if we if we if we accept a compromise on racism, and now I realize that that those who are practicing this, you know, who enjoy this white privilege, think that well, I'm going to give up a little bit. I'm not going to do the tomahawk chop anymore. And and they think that they've that they've accommodated us. And we have to say, no, you're, you're taking a step, but it's not the full step. So I believe that this is where we have to, and, and not just hate on those people who are willing to compromise, but not accept that the compromise accomplishes the end goal of eradicating racism. So again, as we, we wind down the month of February, ironically, the shortest month of the year that gets attributed to, to black history, I think it's important that we we that we not forget that every day is an opportunity to, to, to confront at some level um, some of this systemic racism that, that we all face. And the best way to, to continue to support systemic racism is silence. Thanks for listening. I'm John Kane. This is Let's Talk Native. Yahweh. <laughs>